It's Monday, July 29th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. Today, we're diving into the drama this weekend over Baltimore. We'll connect the dots on what President Trump's contentious tweets mean for the divide between rural and urban voters. Then, the director of national intelligence resigned, and the guy expected to fill his spot is raising some eyebrows. And finally, climate activist Greta Thunberg is on her way to the U.S., but she's taking the scenic route. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. The most complicated story today is about President Trump and Congressman Elijah Cummings of Maryland. There's been some drama. Cummings is the chair of the House Oversight Committee, which has been going after Trump on everything from Trump's personal businesses to White House personal email accounts to detention centers at the border. On Thursday, he grilled the acting Secretary of Homeland Security about conditions in those centers. And that sparked some backlash. On Saturday, Trump went on a tweet storm against Cummings, calling him a bully and saying he was paying too much attention to the border and not enough to his Baltimore district. Trump called the district disgusting, infested with rodents, corrupt, dangerous, and the worst in the USA. He said, quote, no human being would want to live there. So a lot of people called the tweets racist. On Sunday, Trump said his tweets weren't racist and called Cummings racist instead. So today we're going to get into why these statements about Baltimore are causing such an uproar, what the data actually says, and what Trump's base has to do with it. Let's get into it. There's a long history of describing urban cities the way Trump did in his tweets. Dangerous, dirty, and not a place people want to live. It's part of Trump's history, too. Even though he was born and raised and built his businesses in New York, he's gone after big American cities. But there's something else at play here, too. Here's CNN anchor Victor Blackwell. He's insulted thousands of people, many different types of people. But when he tweets about infestation, it's about black and brown people. Blackwell's emotional response about growing up in Baltimore went viral. Descriptions of urban areas as dangerous and dirty are deeply linked with people of color. Trump has used the phrases inner city and African-Americans practically synonymously, implying that all black people live in impoverished inner cities. Even though, according to the last census, people of color make up about a fifth of rural America. After criticism throughout the day, Trump doubled down. He retweeted videos showing abandoned parts of Baltimore. You sure it's safe? <laughs> and he defended his attacks, writing, quote, statistically, Baltimore ranks last in almost every major category, end quote. But the data is more nuanced than that. Cummings represents Maryland's 7th district, which includes about half of Baltimore. And yeah, Baltimore has very high crime rates. In 2017, Baltimore had the worst homicide rate among the 50 largest cities in the country, and it reportedly had the second highest overall crime rate. Cummings District is majority black. About 53% of the 700,000 residents are black. Only 36% are white. But its district has a higher percentage of college grads than the nation's average, and the median household income is about $60,000. According to 538's Nate Silver, Cummings District is the second wealthiest majority black district in the country. But the rhetoric here is important. Trump's campaign reportedly says his commentary, however you want to define it, is playing well with his base. 
because of where they live. When you look at a map, there's a pretty big partisan divide. Democrats dominate cities, and Republicans dominate rural areas. According to Pew Research, back in 2016, 35% of Trump voters said they were from a rural area. Only 12% were from urban areas. Hillary Clinton's numbers were about the opposite. In order to win re-election in 2020, Trump campaign advisors and Republican Party officials reportedly say he'll need to hold on to the white working class voters he won over back in 2016. These are voters who feel left behind, even though the economy continues to grow. Voters who say they're tired of being called racists and bigots. And officials reportedly say that Trump is winning them over by creating a mentality of us versus them. In this case, he's playing up the urban-rural divide. And he's feeding into old stereotypes about cities and the people who live in them. So what's the skim? Trump's comments are just the latest to get widespread criticism. About two weeks ago, the House condemned Trump for tweeting that four female minority representatives should, quote, go back to fix the broken, crime-infested places they came from. While the Department of Labor's own website says telling someone to go back to their country is not cool. In fact, it's workplace harassment. At the same time, reports came out over the weekend that Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, is asking Trump's campaign to come up with a plan to win inner-city voters. After this weekend, that might be a bit harder. So if you are updating your LinkedIn over the weekend, you and the Director of National Intelligence have something in common. President Trump announced this weekend that Dan Coats is stepping down on August 15th and that he's tapping Congressman John Ratcliffe of Texas to fill the role. And people are talking about it. So first, what exactly does the U.S. Director of National Intelligence do? The DNI oversees the entire intelligence community. That's 17 different agencies, including the FBI and the CIA. The DNI is the top advisor to the president, the National Security Council, and the Homeland Security Council on all things related to intelligence and national security. So it's a pretty crucial role. Dan Coats has been in DC for decades. He served in the Senate and the House and as an ambassador to Germany. He's been director of national intelligence since March, 2017. But he and the president haven't exactly seen eye to eye. Trump claimed that ISIS had been defeated. Back in January, Coates contradicted him. He told Congress that ISIS was still in Iraq and Syria, with thousands of fighters. Trump said that North Korea didn't pose a nuclear threat to the United States anymore. Coates testified that he believed North Korea would try to hold on to its nuclear capabilities and wasn't about to give them up. And then there's the question of Russia's interference in the 2016 election. Here's President Trump in July 2018 at a joint news conference with Russian President Vladimir Putin after meeting in Helsinki. People came to me, Dan Coates came to me and some others. They said they think it's Russia. Uh, I have uh, President Putin. Uh, he just said it's not Russia. I will say this. I don't see any reason why it would be. Coates has very publicly gone against President Trump on this, too. In an NBC interview, he said that Russian meddling was undeniable. So now, Coates has resigned, and the guy taking his place looks like he might take a different approach. John Ratcliffe's been a representative for Texas 4th District since 2015. Before that, he was a U.S. attorney. The conservative organization Heritage for America 
ranks him as one of the most conservative Texas lawmakers in Congress. And he's been a very vocal Trump loyalist. Last week, he got special attention for how he drilled special counsel Robert Mueller during his hearing. I agree with the chairman this morning when he said Donald Trump is not above the law. He's not. But he damn sure shouldn't be below the law, which is where volume two of this report puts him. Ratcliffe's nomination has definitely raised some eyebrows, including reportedly among some Republicans, who are worried that he might be too political for the post. So here's a milestone we're not celebrating. Today is Earth Overshoot Day. And no, that's not about NASA spaceships missing their landing. It's the day that global demand for natural resources tops what the Earth is able to provide. Basically, if we keep consuming at this rate, we'd use up 1.75 Earths this year. And unfortunately, we've just got the one. Of course, not every country uses the same amount of resources. If everyone consumed like Americans, we'd actually need five Earths. Yeah, not great. But one climate activist is trying to restore some balance. You may have heard of Greta Thunberg, the 16-year-old from Sweden who started a student protest movement earlier this year and has been schooling world leaders on climate change ever since. She's trying to lead by example. Instead of flying to New York to talk about climate change at the UN in September, Thunberg announced today that she'll be sailing across the Atlantic in a racing boat, which is expected to take two weeks. More time, less carbon footprint. To learn what you can do to help the planet, check out our guide to climate change at theskim.com guides. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from... Yep, it's Shark Week. The Discovery Channel kicked off its marathon Sunday, serving up your yearly dose of nonstop shark TV. Shark Week means big money for the Discovery Channel. But all the shark hype could be a bit misleading. Last year, only five people died in 130 shark attacks worldwide. But here's the thing, you're over 10 times more likely to die in a fireworks accident, and 250 times more likely to die from heat exposure. In fact, new research even shows you're more likely to die trying to take the perfect selfie. So compared to other summertime dangers, getting chewed up jaw style is pretty low on the list. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to add the Skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.